the Farm Advisory Service podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government. Uh, I'm Seamus Donnelly. I'm an advisor with SAC down working out of the Stranard office and have been involved a lot in looking at installation of slurry lagoons and slurry stores over the last three or four years, but very interested in taking the concept a wee bit further with covering these slurry lagoons and slurry stores. The purpose of the podcast today is to look at the benefits of covering a slurry store and the different options available for a farmer to consider. Why cover a slurry store, be it a ring tank or a lagoon? I suppose the number one farmer's answer would be to reduce water and time spent spreading slurry. I want you to stop and think about this figure. For every 100 square feet that gathers water over the winter, be it a yard or a roof or a slurry store, that's equivalent to one 1,800 gallon tanker load of extra slurry that has to be spread in the spring. So with a 100 foot by 40 foot tank, that's 40 loads or 70,000 extra gallons of clean water that obviously has become contaminated. Taking out with a tanker would cost £800, and if spreading yourself, you would be spending probably 15 to 20 hours of your time all night slurry. Even getting a contractor in, you're looking at another £300 with an umbilical, and it'll probably take another three hours to handle this extra water. This is why SEPA and SAC have been encouraging farmers to keep clean water clean, not sorting a room and instead letting the water run onto a dirty yard would have a similar outcome. We have to think too about the compaction element. The more slurry you have to put out, the more trips out to the field, this will increase the risk of soil damage. There's also the dilution effect in working with a wetter fertilizer product. The cow slurry is usually around 6% dry matter, but if you have a lot of water, rainwater entering the store, this could drop to three or 4% and mean extra loads needing to be spread take the same nutrient value in the springtime, but with extra risk of runoff. So it makes sense to keep that water out. Another benefit from covering a store is the extra 18 to 20% storage capacity. Now that could mean you now have sufficient to get you through the winter without enlarging the store. And of course, you've also got the, the benefit of a ready supply of clean water sitting on top of the cover. But there's potentially wider benefits for the environment. I think that's what we're keen on going forward. And also the farmer's pocket. It's estimated that about 10% of ammonia emissions in agriculture come from slurry and manure storage. In an open store, ammonia gases come to the surface, they bubble up to the surface, and when there's a bit of wind, they get blown into the atmosphere. It's the wind whip effect but these are then replenished by other ammonia bubbling up from lower levels in the store. Placing a cover above or floating on the slurry surface prevents the removal of emitted ammonia, which then also means there's extra nitrogen available in the slurry when it does eventually get spread. So not only do we have a drier product with less water, it also has a higher nitrogen fertilizer value, which means farmers can reduce bag nitrogen use but it's also cutting down ammonia release by up to 80% and thereby helping to meet reduction in CO2 targets required by the government.
So there's a lot of benefits for the farmer and the environment. There are a few drawbacks, though. Obviously, the cost and deciding which method to use. ScotGov have recently added a number of options for covering slurry stores under their Sustainable Agricultural Capital Grant Scheme. And myself and a number of other advisors have had farmers phoning in wanting to know the practical details about whether they should go down this route. I think it's always better to hear from people at the sharp end. So today I'm pleased to welcome three men who have a wide experience and will talk us through options for covering slurry stores. We have Simon Jones from Agri-Environmental Group AEG, who is going to take us through options for covering ring tanks. We'll follow that with a discussion with Jason Smith from Lintman Robinson, who, although based in Northern Ireland, have wide experience covering stores across the UK. Jason will focus primarily on cover, covering lagoons. And finally, we have a man with a vast amount of experience, Darren McGee, who also works for AEG. He's going to talk about the Lika system for ink tanks. So, Simon. Good morning. Covering ring stores seems a relatively new concept in Scotland. How long have your company been involved? Well, working with uh, Agri Environmental Group, um, I, I actually work for GNAP in Holland, and we've been producing these covers um, directly into the slurry market for 30 years, and we work uh, uh, extensively across uh, Europe, um, Germany, Holland, France, and obviously the UK. And how long have you been actually covering slurry stores in Scotland? Is that is that a new concept? How long have you actually been doing? Uh, no, in, in, in Scotland, um, we we've covered uh, slurry stores um, as well uh, in terms of concrete tanks or steel tanks, as well as uh, open lagoons. And um, uh, I've been with the business uh, for four years. In my experience, we've we've covered uh, quite a few in that time, and some previously as well. I've got a ring tank. Talk me through the options available. And can I fit a cover to any store? Well, with uh, with uh, ring tanks, whether it be uh, if we take steel as an example, we have to be aware of what type of tank it is. There are certain tanks which will not be strong enough to support the loadings uh, that a, a tension cover will put on it. The tension cover will uh, be based on a central pole. Um, which puts tremendous pressure onto the base of the concrete. Uh, and then we, uh, we spread it out to the sides and we put tension on the outside of the tank. So the two key uh, areas for that are, one, the concrete base, and two, the top ring of the, uh, of the tank. The concrete base, uh, we can supply... Um, extra uh, concrete plates in order to put uh, uh, or a plinth underneath the central pole or the, uh, the farmer can uh, upgrade the base. The top, of the, the top of the tank is more difficult because it will generally have a top angle. Um, and if the tank is perhaps more than 10 years old, it may not be suitable without uh, significant uh, upgrading and strengthening to support the tension cover. Would you recommend, how do you actually check that out? Do you, is that something that EEG would actually consider? or? Well, we, what we can do is we can take details of the tank and we can check with the tank manufacturers. We do uh, comprehensive static calculations on the, um, on the loadings the cover is going to put on the tank. 
And that's based on uh, wind loadings, um, based on snow loadings as well. Uh, and it obviously includes the diameter and the height of the tank. So we will know what the loadings are. We, we can uh, um, look at the tank, take the details, find out from the manufacturer what the tank will withstand and then uh, give advice back. Okay, so with the tension tank, it's a wee bit like a wigwam cover over the top. The pole that goes up in the middle, what is that? What do you use? Is that galvanised steel timber? What is it you actually use? Uh, the the central pole is uh, generally a hardwood um, uh, in in one piece. Where the tank is very high, then sometimes we will raise uh, the centre part up with a concrete plinth, um, maybe one or two metres. We've done that on tanks which are over eight metres high. Uh, but generally speaking, a single piece of uh, hardwood. Now, it is possible also to do stainless steel, um, depending on the um, requirements of the, of the tank. It depends on the requirements of the farmer as well. And, and the reason you go for hardwood is what? Uh, it's... Uh, it's it's anti-corrosion, um, it's uh, good value, and it's an efficient way of uh, giving the support that we need. Um, firstly, it's strong. Uh, you don't get the corrosion you get with a, a galvanized steel. And uh, from a cost perspective, it's uh, it's better than stainless steel, in our experience. Okay. And how high will, these, will the actual top of the wigwam be compared to the actual store itself what what's the gradient that that roof will run out the gradient will depend on the loadings required um the environmental um aspects locally whether it be snow whether it be um uh wind or rain we can we can make them generally speaking 17 degrees angle um uh, we can make them up to 22 degrees as well so it, it really does depend on local conditions in scotland i would suggest uh in certain areas where there is a heavy snowfall we would probably look at uh, a 17 degree slope so we get the um we get more coming off okay now uh how long is it going to take to install and are you able to install that system of tension cover into a slurry store that's already half full uh, well, we need we need an empty tank in order to be able to put the uh, central pole in and locate it correctly, um, and it needs to be clean, of course. Uh, it's it's an enclosed environment, so it's uh, uh, to be sensible. We need to have it completely empty, completely clean, and free of any gases and vented. Um, to put up a, a cover up to seventeen meters, generally speaking, we can do it in a day. Uh, between seventeen and thirty meters, two to three days. And then over 30 meters, probably a four day job, excluding traveling, of course. And we need uh, two people um, up to 17 meters and then probably four people over 17, over 17 meter diameter. Uh, so we have some extra help to unroll. We also have to bear in mind the location of the tank. We have we have to lift um, a cover which is uh, uh, quite heavy. So we have to lift it above the tank to lay it down over. So we have to consider uh, the use of a crane and access to the tank as well. So in many cases, not only do we need to understand the construction of the tank, we need to understand the local environment and the access to it. Okay. What material are you using to cover the actual tank? We use uh, reinforced uh, PVC. So this is a PVC product with uh, a reinforcement web inside. Uh, not only is it very flexible, it's extremely strong um, and has excellent UV resistance. And it's pretty much the um, 
the standard within these tension covers. And generally speaking, uh, it's a, a 900 gram. But again, if um, if uh, there are certain environmental factors such as uh, again wind and uh, wind and uh, snow, then we can go to 1150 gram product. And certainly on the west coast of Scotland, and certainly in um, um, other parts on the east, you have wind speeds up to 120 miles an hour. So then we would have to consider a, a, a thicker material to give us the uh, performance we require. And but the static calculations that we conduct based on postcodes will, will give us a, a unique solution to every um, every possibility. Are you able to? How do you go about mixing the tank if that cover is on? Generally speaking, um, on a new installation, uh, people will, will tend to have submersible mixers going through the top, and that can be on a, um, a, a hoist or a, um, I can't remember the word for it, a, a, a rail at the top, like an angle that comes across into the tank. We have an access hatch, which allows uh, the mixer to go down through, and there will be a guide rail uh, fixed to the, the bottom of the tank. And uh, it, the, the submersible mixer is hung on a wire, engages with the guide rail, so the, the height of it can be moved to mix different heights within the tank. Other ways of mixing are uh, for a submit, when there's, uh, sorry, when there's a tension cover uh, put on the tank, is through the wall. Um, many people uh, in the UK have wall mixers, uh, one or two, depending on the, uh, on the size of the tank. Um, and other ways are to put uh, uh, mixers through the top, but that's really not, um, the access hatches don't really give us the facility to do that very easily, and the central pole gets in the way. Simple question, what happens to the water that comes off the roof? Um, it, it, it depends on what the farmer does locally. Quite often, uh, people, gut, people put gutters around and collect it, um sometimes not the ideal situation is to put a gutter to collect and pipe it down into uh, uh either a sumpering or a, a small tank uh one it saves a lot of runoff secondly it um saves a lot of erosion and um and it gives you it gives the farmer a water the water that they can use later yeah i know super have been certainly uh keen to make sure that that water coming off the roof doesn't then get cross-contaminated and you know, either gets taken back into the store or um, finds its way into a drain. So I think that's something farmers will need to consider is to make sure that they can get that water coming off the top of the store kept clean and piped to a, or led to a, a field drain as such. Standard rate for this is six to six pounds a square metre. Now we'll be tasked with working out how many square metres I know it's, uh, if, you, if I go back to my old algebra, the pi r squared to, for a circle, uh, but it's not just a neat area of the tank, presumably, that we need to measure. Is there an overlap with the tension cover? Well, there's a, um, obviously, the, we, we have a skirt around the edge of the tank. Um, we also have a, a flap inside the tank to, that is near the wall of the tank to collect condensation and put it back down into the tank rather than letting it come on, onto the wall of the tank. Um, Cost-wise, it's very difficult, purely because uh, it depends on the static calculations and what is determined uh, locally. But £66 per square metre will cover part of the cost. Um, we, it's not only material costs, it's installation costs as well. Just as a, a rough, a very rough example, 
uh, a 25 meter tension, uh, fully tension cover could cost 25 to 30 thousand um, pounds. Again, it, this is totally dependent on uh, installation costs, shipping costs, and the specification in the first place. And in terms of amount of material, it will depend on the angle, but you could be talking about 50% extra material. Right. That's something we need to take into account whenever we're working out what the farmer's actually applying for the grant for. Um, and the way the standard grant works, that cost, the farmer will get 50% in mainland Scotland. So he'll have to pay for the rest. Right. So that's been useful. That's the tension tank covered. If we move on to what I think has probably got more relevance in the west of Scotland on smaller dairy farms could be the floating cover. Do you want to explain how that works? I presume it's a similar material, but how does that actually, how is that installed? How does it actually work? The, the floating cover, again, as you say, is a similar material. Um, and um, the, the floating cover is ideal for older tanks that won't support the uh, tension cover, but also older tanks which perhaps have a, a slight amount of corrosion inside because with a tension cover, you create a closed environment which then will uh, uh, act as a, it will, it will create more corrosion very quickly. So a floating cover is, uh, is, is an ideal solution for this. Now, the way, way we do it, we have a... Uh, 150 millimeter or 200 millimeter PVC ring around the outside, which is all glued together around the diameter of the tank, around the circumference of the tank. Um, and we have a cover which is made about one meter larger than the diameter of the tank. And this is then, there's, there's uh, eyelets in it every half a meter. And then we have four tensioners around the outside, and then uh, which are basically ratchet straps, and we tension the cover uh, to a point where it's uh, tight across it. The the floating cover will collect water. Um, the, there are small pump systems that can be used to uh, to take the take the water off, um, and in some cases uh, the water will act uh, as a, a stabilizer. And will give you uh, a little bit of security that the, the cover isn't going to blow off when the slurry store is nearly full. Uh, in terms of mixing or pumping, again, um, you can use a uh, submersible mixer down through a hatch, and the floating cover will be held more or less in place by the wires for this, and it goes back down onto a rail. So that that will um, uh, you need a platform on the outside of the tank, and then the um, the hoist for it. Um, the difficulty with a lot of tanks is that they have sidewall mixers uh, or pumps in the bottom. Now, we have to be slightly mindful of these because uh, what we can't have is a situation where the cover is suspended above um, a mixer. Um, and we can't have the level going down below that mixer because the uh, the cover is, doesn't suspend itself. It, 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 it will have a... Um, a uh, it will have a need to be held up by the slurry above this uh, above this mixer. So if I if I go to right, it's a bit like a saucer sitting inside a saucepan, and that saucer moves up and down. Uh, that's correct. Yes, that's a better explanation than I just tried to uh, try to do. Thank you. <laughs> there would be a small amount of rainwater in theory would be able to get down through down around the side of the tanks, and a slightly more or slightly less ammonia gas captured. But I think we're talking. I read somewhere it's a, you would capture seventy percent of them. The reduction of seventy percent of the ammonia 
in a floating tank compared to maybe 80% in a tension tank full cover. Uh, and obviously, uh, while the tension cover, there's no rainwater that gets in, the floating cover, there might be 10% of the rainwater get in, but it's still a sizable reduction and both rainwater going into the store and also ammonia coming out of the store. Absolutely, because of course, as you pointed out earlier, ammonia is caused by caused by the uh, the wind across the top of the slurry. Um, a floating cover will cover 95, 96% of it, and may, maybe even more. And um, this, this will stop that ammonia being produced in the first place. Uh, and in terms of water collecting on uh, water down the outside, there will be some, of course. Okay. Now... I'm just noting the, the standard cost under the grant scheme for this option, the floating cover on a ring tower, is £25 a square metre. I'll ask you the same question in terms of working out how many extra metres we need. What sort of overlap should we be making an allowance for? Um, it's not just a straight diameter of the tank. Presumably, there'll be that amount of plastic or PVC that's wrapped around the, the inner tube. How much should we actually be estimating well we we work on a, a, a one meter larger than the actual diameter so a 23 meter diameter for example will have 24 meters of, uh, of material um, and a 23 meter floating cover is round about uh, ten thousand pounds okay so certainly a bit cheaper I'm getting almost as many uh, as good a, a response Right, thanks, Simon, for that. Um, we will gather up maybe in a few questions at the end. That's given us a good insight into the choices available for covering ring tanks to reduce ammonia and keep water out. Um, moving on to covering the goons, uh, I'll pass over to Jason Smith. Now, Jason works with Linton Robinson, as I mentioned. I've asked him to talk about uh, lined, uh, covering lagoons, mainly it'll be the lined earth bank lagoons. We have certainly seen a dramatic rise in popularity down here in our part of Scotland and Wigtonshire from farmers using lagoons and I think it was helped by the government coming out and providing some grant assistance. It's a great way of collecting, it's a cheap way of collecting a lot of water, a lot of dirty water and a lot of slurry, uh, but they do gather a lot of rainwater. Um, so from your point of view, Jason, can you talk us through what's involved in covering a lagoon? Uh, how do you go about the job? Hello, Seamus. Yeah, uh, I can start with uh, a few points on that. Uh, the material which we actually uh, use and have been using for the last uh, 13 years is a material called uh, Nicoflex, and it's manufactured in Holland. Uh, it's been on the go now for I suppose 30 years uh, around that. Um, it's an LDPE uh, material with uh, a reinforcing mesh uh, in the middle of that. There is grit UV protection and, that, and with the LDPE, as we all know, there's a lot more flexibility uh, to uh, work on the top of the lagoon with, uh, with moving on top of the slurry with the, the rising and levels of the slurry and lowering again at least uh, you're not working with a, a more rigid material which would be suffering more with the levels going up and down now that that material that uh, that we're working with the beauty about it within reason uh, can come all in one piece 
uh, and be fitted uh, fairly quickly uh, to to an existing lagoon, uh, so it can. You mentioned LDPE lagoon cover; it's more flexible. A lot of our farmers had used HTPE. I think that's what I'm trying to uh, point out that that HTPE is obviously a more rigid two mil material, and it's proved to be you can weld it. It's proved to be useful for actual lining. I know you can line with LDPE as well, but a lot of our farmers have used HDPE. But you're saying you wouldn't be going for that to cover it. You'd be going for the more flexible LDPE. Yeah. yeah. The more flexible, as I said before, that material, uh, the, the actual liner itself will never be moving. Uh, as such, we use the exact same material uh, for lining as well, and it's been very successful for us. Um, the floating cover we feel because that is against the elements and as with the the weller and so on. There's a lot of movement in that cover. Uh, if you can imagine over its lifetime going up and down with the slurry, so that's this is why we prefer the more flexible uh, material to do that. Okay, and. Okay, talk us through how it's actually installed. You know, is it is it one big sheet? Does it just sit on top of the lagoon? What actually, or is the risers in below? What talk us through what actually is involved in lining a lagoon? In fitting the floating cover, as the uh, the liner will come all in one piece to do that. Uh, in doing that, we do require the lagoon to be empty. Um, we do realise uh, there will be issues. A lot of these lagoons have never actually been empty or cleaned out the existing lagoon so within reason uh, we can work with a, a very small crust as such uh, if it's providing difficulties for the farmers to uh, to get that cleaned and it'd be a, a monumental task for some men for some of the size of these lagoons to, to do that but uh, we don't want that to outweigh the benefits of putting one on uh, so with the beauty of this coming on one piece we can fit that uh, how we do that is it'll be fitted very similar to the actual uh, liner which is holding the slurry and we will be digging a, an anchoring trench around the top of the bank and if we can't uh, avail of the existing trench that's there for the existing liner we w if the bank allows us to do that we will make uh, an anchor trench further back without disturbing the original anchor and trench and make our floating cover slightly bigger to go into that trench. Uh, and that's how we're doing it. By doing that, very similar to the to the actual liner, we, we need two diggers, one at each, uh, each bank. And pulling that forward, we'll have a drop-down point for our liner to set down. That will be rolled out on the top of the bank and slowly pulled across over the top of the lagoon. Now, in that, we, there will be a series of floats with vents on them fitted to that, depending on the size of the lagoon, uh, just to, to vent off uh, some. So if we don't do that, we have, we have to have some vents on there or else we find we have a, a gas bubble as, as such. But that still, with fitting those, we still are reducing uh, the, the amount of emissions uh, Greatly. So that's really what's what's entailed in doing that. Uh, depending on what the, the farmers have there 
were actually filling the, the lagoon. If we were doing a new job, we would be putting in a discharge station to empty out for the, the farmer to pick on his tanker or his umbilical system to, if, and that will empty out to the bottom anyway through the bank and out to a concrete pad on the outside with a series of valves. If that, if they don't have that, what will have to happen, we'll have to fit a series of pipework down the inside of the, the bank to allow them to empty that uh, via suction through their tanker umbilical system. So again, very uh, it, it's depending on the the, uh, the depth of the lagoon how how we go about doing that. And for mixing it, how do you how do you go about mixing it? For recently, recently what we've been doing on uh, on some of the larger jobs, uh, we've been fitting. Uh, a lot of these farmers have been working with uh, uh, mixers, various lagoon mixers, because of the sheer size of them. We want to be able to allow them to continue to do that uh, without spending very much more money on on mixing systems as such. So what we're doing there, we're fitting uh, a goalpost arrangement uh, at, at each end of the lagoon. Uh, so that what happens, we have a flap there which we wind up on, on a start, just like a handle, which we wind that up on a winch system, and that lifts the cover up to allow the uh, the farmer to reverse in there with his lagoon mixer and uh, and mix that lagoon. Now, that lagoon mixer, I will say, will have to have the coil over the top of the propeller to prevent uh, any accidents or any damage to the floating cover. That's uh, that's really the the other system. We have fitted various circulation systems within the lagoon, where again, depending on the size of it, where these farmers can come along. We have the pipework uh, laid out on the floor of the lagoon, and there'll be various concrete pads, small pads, and the farmer can go along there and uh, connect up his umbilical system, draw out his slurry from the discharge station and pump it back through the circulation system, uh, which is fairly successful as well. Again, depending on the type of slurry that they're, they're, they're working with, but there are various options there to, to work on. Okay, okay. And the obviously the water just sits on top of the slurry lagoon and I suppose it's available for other uses, um, you wouldn't, you would never pump that totally off, would you? No, no. Uh, depending on how much uh, how much water is on, as, uh, as Simon said previously, there the, that water does act as an anchor to keep the, the cover in place uh, up to a certain level. Once it would get too much, uh, that would have to be pumped off. Uh, but that would be clean water, and there's various uses for that depending on what they they want to, to do with that. But uh, we can't have uh, too much water sitting in that either. <laughs> uh, once your slurry level uh, rises up with that, you will find that I suppose it depends where the geography of the thing and, and our average rainfall where we're at. Um, we have fitted, fitted quite a few of these in, in areas where they've uh, they've never had to. Uh, pump off any water because of their, their climate, the, the water has evaporated, <laughs> uh, but I don't think we have that uh, that pleasure. 
you would never take it all off or the the liner might actually blow away <laughs> well it, it, it acts as an anchor there it acts as an anchor uh, and you will find that the, the the floating cover does have quite a vacuum to the top of the story uh, as well nice Okay, the standard rate is ten pound a square meter, and again, I'll ask you about the quantities of extra we might need because it's obviously not just measuring the top of the lagoon and then saying, right, you know, that's what I'll, that, that's what I'm going to put in for. That's the amount of um, LPDE, LDP I need. Um, what else? What sort of factors should be allowing for? I suppose it's going up the side and then the trench. The anchoring trench is uh, is the big uh, the big point there as well. There's there's so many different factors there, and and the the farmers being careful when they're applying for for this grant because a lot of these lagoons are dug at various angles. Their banks are at various angles, and their depths uh, as well. So that's something to be conscious of. Um, the the length of the bank and uh, some some men will go along and work that out. Yeah, well that's four meters deep. That's five meters deep. But it's very important that they do get a length of their their bank to try and uh, it, it can throw out the square meterage greatly if you're working on a forty five degree angle uh, to do your pricing and you actually find out your lagoon has been dug with you know thirty degrees. So it's, it's very important to keep an eye on that. The, the anchor and trench, uh, if normally what we would allow there from the top of the bank is two metres to two and a half metres right around there, depending on the size of the lagoon and depending where the initial anchor and trench is for the original liner. Um, ideally, we would try and go past that anchor and trench and create a complete new one if the bank allows for it. Um, a lot of these banks, they're, uh, they're, they're dug, I suppose, to carry your digger completely around uh, the, the, the lagoon. Uh, some of them are pretty tight, so that's that's another factor for them to be careful of, but you would need to be allowing at least 2.5 metres right around the, the, the top of the bank. Right, Jason, I think that's been a, a good insight into how you would set about covering the lagoon. I think what is coming through loud and clear is farmers need to go and speak to the likes of yourselves, the likes of Simon or Dara, and actually, um, as a first instance, see if it's feasible, and secondly, make sure they get the right amount of material um, to actually allow them to cover the thing. <laughs> Sounds a bit logical. Dara, yeah. I'm going to pass over to you now. Um, you're going to talk to us about a leaker system, which is also available. And at first, it's a kind of strange word. It's L-E-C-A, and you'll explain what that is. Whenever you said it at first, I thought it was a leaky system that we're putting on top of a ring tank. But that's, that's not the case. What's that all about? Um, good morning. Lika stands for uh, lightweight expanded clay aggregate, uh, and uh, Aerotop uh, is a, a treatment um, to put a hydrophobic coating onto the clay aggregate to stop it sinking. Uh, 
the clay that is used is, is not just any old clay. It's a Pacific clay that comes from either Denmark or Portugal. Uh, we can't use British clay because of the geology involved. We need a particular type of clay. Um, and what they do is they take, if you take a very small particle of this clay, uh, we cook it between 1,000 and 1,200 degrees. And as we cook it, it expands and as it expands, it honeycombs in the middle, just like a Malteser. Um, and that honeycomb effect has uh, three advantages. One, obviously, it makes it very buoyant. Uh, two, uh, it actually provides a very large internal surface area. And three, it allows bacteria to develop internally in each little particle of clay aggregate. And that bacteria is very important in naturally uh, breaking down and capturing uh, ammonia and um, H2S, hydrogen sulfide, that's being emitted from, from um, the slurry. Uh, these little clay balls, they're not round, they're, they're uh, Varying shapes and sizes, uh, each one between 10 and 20 millimeters in diameter. And the reason why they're different shapes and sizes is that we want a jigsaw effect so that they lock together so that you don't get uh, rat runs through them to let the gases escape from the slurry to the atmosphere. Uh, the the leaker aerotop needs to go onto the lagoon at a depth of 100 millimeters. Now, uh, that is the minimum depth that is acceptable under the uh, BAT requirements, best available technology, uh, which Lika is recognized as throughout Europe. Um, so you float it on the surface of the slurry at a depth of 100 millimeters. Uh, to put it on, uh, we can either blow it on with something very similar to a feed blower wagon, except that the blower is actually originally designed to blow coal because a feed blower would chew the stuff up. Uh, and it's self-leveling and it just spreads out over the surface. Um, within about 48 hours of going on, you've got a, 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 a perfect cover. Um, and what it does is, first of all, it prevents the wind whip effect that both Simon and Jason were talking about. Uh, that wind whip effect across the surface of your slurry, if you can just cut that out alone, they reckon you'll reduce the ammonia emissions by about 60%. Um, and then it, it uh, basically traps the ammonia and the hydrogen sulfide within the clay particles. So that the end of um, the, the leaker's life, active life, uh, it can actually be spread ideally on stubble ground and plowed in, uh, and it will become the equivalent of a slow release nitrogen fertilizer, uh, and also releasing a fair amount of sulfur. Um, so in a nutshell, that's what it is, I think. Right, please, uh, Dara. So its main purpose is to 
the release of ammonia, it doesn't actually stop rainwater getting into the tank. No, what I would say is that when a farmer is deciding which way he wants to go, the, the very first thing that he's got to do is to decide whether he actually wants to prevent uh, rainwater getting into his tank or his lagoon. Uh, if he if he does want to prevent it, then leaker is not the way to go. He wants to go for uh, on a lagoon a floating cover, or on a tank a floating cover or a tension cover. Uh, but it is not everybody that actually wants to keep rainwater out of their lagoons. Um, quite a few people actually like the rainwater in because it uh, dilutes very high dry matter slurry. A lot of beef farmers find that they, they actually would like to get water in. And I've actually come across situations where people are actually adding water to enable them to get a more spreadable uh, material, although that is a minority. Uh, the other practical advantage of the leaker, I suppose, is that mixing your slurry is absolutely no problem um, with, with the leaker. Uh, if you're using uh, a PTO tractor-driven propeller mixer, you can just drop it in through the slurry, turn it on, uh, sorry, through the leaker, turn it on, and it will mix your lagoon uh, as normal. And the leaker will, as you get the current going, the leaker will just move on the surface uh, in the current. And any that is drawn down will pop back up again, just float back up again. So it's horses for courses. It's not a situation of anybody saying, uh, you know, you, you want to go for leaker over a floating cover because it is better or vice versa. It's, it's finding out what the farmer wants to actually achieve and deciding on the right option. The, the figure, the standard grant for that is £14 a square metre, and I presume there you just measure the neat diameter of the tank. It's a fairly straightforward <laughs> calculation. Yeah. Uh, for, for, for putting leaker on, uh, it's, it's uh, just get the, the, the diameter of the tank and work out the surface area, um, and very basically one cubic metre of uh, leaker air atop will cover 10 meters, uh, 10 square meter surface area. So uh, with a tank, you need the diameter to work out how much you need. With a lagoon, you need the length and the width to get the surface area uh, and uh, away you go. Good, good. Thanks for that, Dara. I think that's, uh, we've now covered, I think, all the key or the main options for looking how you would uh, cover a a slurry, slurry lagoon or slurry store. Um, can I just bring up the question about warranties and stuff like that? That you're, whenever you step in to do this, uh, if I come back, maybe to Simon, you've got, you've assessed a tank, you reckon the ring tank, you reckon you, you're going to be able to put a tension cover on. Does does your warranty then cover if something subsequently goes wrong with that tank if it collapsed on the basis of uh, being over tensioned or whatever? How does that actually work? Um, we don't we we don't warrant the tank, uh, and we don't warrant consequential loss. Of course, the the cover is uh, warranted against uh, faulty material or faulty welding, um, but um, we don't 
well, we haven't experienced that. In terms of the uh, in terms of the strength of the tank, it's it's up to we will work with the manufacturers to find out what is acceptable for that tank, and then it's up to the farmer to uh, get uh, verification that it, uh, from the manufacturer of the tank that it is uh, suitable for the cover. Right, and how, I think it was, was Daryl you mentioned whenever you're actually uh, putting these covers on. It's important that you just don't start. There's a certain way that you would actually tension the cover up. Can you elaborate with that? Simon, will you take that one? Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, the, there is a, a tensioning program which the, which the installers go through. And uh, then, of course, uh, there is a retention required after four to six weeks by the local farmer. Um, they, will, they will see if there's any slight... Uh, uh, flexibility in the cover or if there's wind they'll seize a slight movement and then they can go around and retension but obviously uh, from an installation point of view we tension um, substantially uh, on a uh, walk basically walking around and, and tensioning and retensioning until we get the cover to uh, to the way we want it no the point i was making it's not just throw a bit of plastic over the top of a slurry store and walk away it's there's actually a wee bit of uh, work behind that and um, I think it should be left to the proper contractors to actually carry out that uh, Absolutely, work. Seamus. It, it's, there's, there's a lot of engineering goes into these uh, into these covers and um, it has to be put on correctly. Uh, if we put it onto, for example, a concrete tank, quite often the concrete on the top can be very abrasive, so then we will put a protection uh, fleece over the top of that. Sometimes with concrete panels, then you could have uh, gaps so we, we will put in a filler, which could be a hardwood or a softwood filler, uh, in order to fill that gap so we can tension um, securely all the way around. So it, it's it's something that needs to be done correctly in order to ensure that um, we have uh, the, the, the long life that we expect from them. Good, thanks for that. Jason, I, believe, I would think your answer would be something similar in terms of warranty. Uh, you will cover the material that's you using for the actual cover. Um, is that correct? The material that we're using has a 20-year design life for this purpose, and there is a 10-year warranty on it. Uh, but what that entails, it, you know, it won't cover any uh, damage or anything that has been done there due to mixing or whatever uh, outside of that if there's a material failure that uh, that is what is covered but that's not something that we have uh, uh, and, and had any experience off of this material right okay i think simon made a good point um whenever you do empty the ring tank if you put an attention cover on uh, it would also be a good opportunity to get inside whenever it's well ventilated and actually inspect it and make sure there's no small holes uh, that need to be sealed. Uh, we we would suggest to farmers every two or three years they should really be doing this with the ring tanks anyway, and going in and sealing any small holes that maybe have arisen from chips by stones. So I think that's a good take home message as well. Whenever the tank is empty and you've got men in looking, um, just make, give it a health check to make sure it's there's no obvious wear and tear on the inside. Um, right, going forward then. Um, the situation in England, uh, they, they seem to have been ahead of us a wee bit in terms of the rush for 
to get slurry stores covered. Um, what's the feedback been getting? What feedback have you been getting from farmers um, regarding how these tanks that are covered are actually working from a practical point of view? Does anyone who, who wants to come in and answer yeah, that? Yeah, that's uh, that's fine. Yeah, uh, the the feedback has been has been very positive uh, for the the jobs that the, that we have done. Uh, obviously, there was quite a few done uh, in the Natural England uh, grant. That's now probably a couple of years ago, and those those farmers are all coming back. Uh, we have been in touch with them at various stages. Uh, they're very well pleased. Uh, with that, they're factoring in their costs of the amount of uh, water, which they're not having to to spread now. Uh, some of these guys were using this also as a way of increasing their their storage their slurry storage. Um, if they were finding it tight to get that, if they're reducing the the rainwater coming in there, it was actually increasing their storage capacity uh, in doing that. Um, but yeah. Uh, it's it's all positive. It, it was a fairly good grant that they've availed of, so uh, I haven't had any negative <laughs> uh, points on that uh, from from those guys doing that. Seamus, can I can I butt in there because I, I I totally agree with what Jason said, but also what it what it does and what the farmers have done is they've taken more control of their slurry. They don't have water in there, then they have more control of this of this uh, resource that they can put back onto their fields. If it's ad adequately covered and keeping the water out, then they, they have a much better product to use. Can I, can I cut in there as well? Um, what I would say uh, is that, that um, if you're going to be putting a floating cover onto your lagoon, uh, it is really well worthwhile considering putting a, a slurry separation in at the same time. Um, our customers that have done both uh, have found that the uh, practical results they're getting from the improved use of the slurry uh, using uh, the, the liquid faction, in the spring, so that basically it's a higher nitrogen uh, fertilizer that they're putting on onto grassland in the spring, and then they're able to use the uh, the dry faction that they're taking out, which is a good source of P and K, uh, using that in the autumn. Um, and as a generalization, uh, I think our customers have found that they have increased their storage capacity uh, particularly on the west side of the country, uh, by keeping rainwater out by anything up to 30%. Yes. It's interesting you say that, Dara. I, we have one farmer who put in what I call a complete system a few years ago, which involved, well, it was seven years ago, which involved um, uh, got, popping slurry into the existing ring tank, but separating it out of entry. And then he had uh, SRDP funding, which helped through the Scottish government again to build a lagoon. They cited that, as I call it, a lagoon pod, about 300 metres away from the farm. So it gets, it gets all the machinery away from the actual steading on a, a greenfield site. And he pumps from pumps to that lagoon once every once a month uh, from the existing ring tank. 
and he has been able to cut his bag nitrogen in the summertime. It's a dairy farm, and he spreads using a trailing shoe on his tanker, um, on his paddocks. And the beauty has been also he built a second lagoon about a mile and a half away, and because the separated liquor is easier to pump, he was actually able to pump that, and he saved himself, I think it was 180, 200 trips on the road if he had been trying to spread the slurry at this other farm that lies away. And I see that as kind of a more complete joined up thinking that we've got the slurry, we've got it separated, we then can use the liquor in the summertime, we can spread it, send it also to further away fields, um, as opposed to ultimately to complete it would be to go and put a cover over it. One of the benefits he's found is that he doesn't need to mix the lagoon because um, it never really settles out. And there must be a savings in cost and even ammonia gas release at mixing point by opting to assist and make that. And that's maybe one that uh, we're hoping to do a, a video on that farm and also put that onto the FAS website. With that, could I uh, just sum up, thank you guys, the three wise men, as I call you, for taking the time to actually lead us through what is a wee bit complicated. You guys are doing it every day of the week. Um, for the ordinary farmer and certainly for the ordinary advisors, uh, it took a wee while to get our heads around what was available and how it would all fit in. And I think we're better uh, able now to understand the pros and cons and uh, help guide farmers through the concept of covering slurry stores. And no doubt, I think we'll be suggesting that they go and speak to people at the sharp end who are doing the job first, uh, just to make sure that they pick the right system that fits their farming setup. Um, so thanks to one and all. Hopefully there'll be a continuation of schemes like this moving forward.